You're on EducateForLife.com radio with Kevin Conover. And if you listen long enough, your faith will become... I'm tired of being conned. Don't worry, the con is over, see? We're now at DEFCON 1. Did you say carnivore or carnivore? Would you like to have a conversation with Kevin? Then call 800-243-9719. And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your time and bring your shame. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. A few weeks ago, I, on, I had on uh, the radio Dr. Jake Hebert. We were covering, uh, he's a physics, he's an, uh, a physics uh, he has his doctorate in physics, and he's talking about. We were talking about climate change. I thought it was important to keep talking about this because, um, whether you know it or not, the the your view on climate change uh, affects policy. So the laws that are passed in our government here in America and are really around the world are impacted by what your view is on climate change. Uh, if if climate change is man made, then we need to restrict what's happening. Right to to make sure that our world doesn't go into a, some sort of a natural uh, catastrophe. Um, on the other hand, if it's not man-made and there's nothing we can do about it, then um, we don't have to make all these restrictions with greenhouse gases and so forth. My guest today is Mike Ord. He's a climatologist, and he has a BS in atmospheric science from the University of Washington. He has an MS from at- in atmospheric science, also from the University of Washington. And he was a meteorologist from 1973 to 2001 for the National Weather Service. He was the lead forecaster in Great Falls, Montana, from uh, 1981 to 2001. So, uh, Mike, thanks so much for being on the show today. You're welcome. Okay, so um, I want to read real quick before we hop into this. This is from the Heritage Foundation, and it says here, um, this was an article published a few years back, um, regarding climate change, it says the cost of a climate policy, the economic impact of Obama's climate action plan. And this was back when Obama was um, aggressively pursuing uh, very restrictive um, greenhouse gas emission uh, policies and so forth. And it says here, this war on coal would prove the most costly with hundreds of thousands of, of lost jobs and $1.47 trillion lost of national U.S. income by 2030. And this is um, – people today are talking about this, that, you know, uh, President Trump has – seems to be a pro-coal person versus uh, – or president versus um, what Obama was pursuing. Um, and so, Mike, what we want to get down to the bottom of here is is what's the whole deal with climate change? Why do you have all these people aggressively uh, pursuing things like the Paris Agreement, which Trump backed out of, and, and people saying that if you don't believe in climate change, you're – you don't deserve to do science, these sorts of uh, things. Um, we're hoping that you can shed some light on these issues. What got you interested in, um, in meteorology and so forth when you were young? Were you, as a kid in elementary school, were you like, I want to grow up and be able to determine the weather? Oh, yes. Uh, right from middle school, I was interested in nature. And, uh, and I grew up in Seattle, Washington, and uh, you know, it rains a lot. And I was wondering why that happened. So I... I made my own wind vane and anemometer and uh, had a rain gauge out there and and took temperature readings uh, in my own observations uh, for for a short while, actually. But that uh, sparked my interest in um, 
atmospheric science or meteorology. There's differences, but they're about the same. Okay. What's the difference between atmospheric science and meteorology? Well, meteorology focuses in on forecasting. Well, atmospheric science goes into the physics of uh, weather. And at the University of Washington, it was taught as atmospheric science, which is actually a branch of physics called fluid dynamics. So everything from about the minute you step in the door as an undergraduate, uh, courses in atmospheric science are taught with partial differential equations. <laughs> oh, okay, so that, that for anybody who doesn't like math, then they're going to have to back out of that, huh? Oh, yes. It's a surprise to a lot of people. So you generally learn the theory behind the motions of the of the wind, which is, uh, by definition, a fluid. Yeah, that, and that's got to be really difficult. Uh, um, didn't uh, Jesus say we don't know where the, where the wind comes from or where it's going? Yes, uh, he did. He said something like that. <laughs> Maybe at the time, huh? So, um, yes, at the time. We know more about it since then, of course. Yeah, yeah. Now, you work for—are uh, you currently on staff with Answers in Genesis? Is that right? Uh, no. Oh, I was. Uh, I was actually an um, adjunct speaker for them for a few years. Okay. And I'm, I'm an independent researcher uh, enjoying the outback of the United States in Bozeman, Montana. And so I just do creation research now, and I, 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 I speak now and then. And, but I've, I've done research or speaking for all the major creationist groups in the past. That's fantastic. Okay, now, so um, so when you got out of high school, and did you grow up in a Christian family? Did you already have a Christian worldview as you were moving into getting your degrees and so forth? Uh, I'm not sure. I grew up a Catholic, but I was not a very good Catholic. Okay. <laughs> what, you, I had 12 years of Catholic education, so uh, I guess you might say it was a quasi-Christian worldview. Okay. And so what happened when you got to college and so forth and you started being, you, you know, you started um, being confronted with the, the different opposing worldviews when it comes to looking at things like were we created or did we evolve a naturalistic explanation for um, create nature and creation and reality versus um, uh, God uh, divinely uh, creating everything? What happened? Uh, when did you come to make the decision that, hey, I believe in the Bible? Well, actually, I wasn't confronted much by evolution in college uh, whatsoever because I was in a branch of physics that had absolutely nothing, almost nothing to do with evolution. So by the time I got out of graduate school, I was able to, to I believe, objectively uh, take a look at it because uh, it was controversial. I heard about it, read maybe a little bit about it. Um, and see if there was something to this evolution. I was thoroughly um, prepared to be a theistic evolutionist. The evidence for evolution was significant. Uh, to my surprise, it uh, it was insignificant. Hardly any evidence for it. And it really shocked me. And it, it actually perked my interest in the whole area. And, and I was about oh, and so here I am. <laughs> wow! Wow! That's amazing, huh? So. So you were expecting that there was going to be a lot of support for evolution, but you ended up um, going, whoa, wait a second, there's not the, the, the support that I thought there would be. Uh, that's correct. Now, now um, as you're studying meteorology, you're living your life, you're moving along here, um, how did this progress? Were there any kind of um, spots where you, you're, you're, stu- you're doing your job, just living your life, and 
you began to look at meteorology and uh, atmospheric science in light of scripture and the flood and these sorts of things. When did that start to pop up in your life? Well, I, got, I became interested in, the, especially interested in the issue when I read Henry Morris's, uh, John Wickham and Henry Morris's book, The Genesis Flood. A fellow forecaster, actually in the Los Angeles uh, forecast office, uh, gave me a copy of it to look at uh, way back in the early 70s. And uh, that really perked my interest. And I started reading more books. And there weren't very many books out at that time. And yeah. then by the time I got transferred to Bakersfield, I and about three other guys uh, were going around to various churches uh, teaching about the issue of creation and evolution in so not only did they pique your interest, but they convinced you that this was the right this was the right view. Yes, and eventually I thought of how I can contribute to research, and the Ice Age popped into my mind, and so I did a lot of research on the Ice Age, and that from there, since the Ice Age is actually interdisciplinary, and so that got me interested in geology and geophysics. So I've gone from climatology, meteorology to the Ice Age to uh, flood geology. Oh, that's very interesting. Well, uh, my guest today is Mike Ord. He's a uh, climatologist, retired now, but uh, and meteorologist, meteorologist uh, worked for the National Weather Service, uh, lead forecaster in the Great Falls, Montana area. And uh, we're talking about climate change because um, it's not just an ivory tower debate. It's something that really impacts our, our world to a large degree. It impacts the legislation that's passed the laws regarding, you know, uh, what what kind of rigor a power plant has to go through, how it has to uh, limit its uh, carbon dioxide uh, emissions, as well as cars and how, how much carbon dioxide they're allowed to put out and all these sorts of things. And it has a huge financial impact on our nation, the, the amount of taxes we pay, all these sorts of things. So it's important to understand that our, our viewpoint, our biblical viewpoint, or lack thereof, is going to make an impact on how we live our lives. If we're living life uh, off kilter from the truth, then uh, we're going to be impacted negatively. If we're in line with Scripture what, in whatever we're doing, whether that's relationships, whether that's our belief about climate change, whether that's our beliefs about um, you know whether we evolved or didn't evolve, all these things have an impact on um, the way we live our lives. And uh, Jesus Christ said, "The truth. if you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Build your life upon my word. So when we get back, we're going to continue to talk to Mike Ward about— um, his views on climate change and what we should be concerned about and what we shouldn't be concerned about. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. What do leading local restaurants have in common? They depend on Express Fix Coffee for new and used coffee and espresso machines, repairs, and affordable monthly service. Dave Martin and his local team provide water filtration services too. Call San Diego's best espresso repair company, serving your home and business. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. 619-867-3853. 
How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fastlane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. I will cast my cares on you. You're the Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. You can pick up a recording of this show and previous shows if you visit my website. Also, we have a homeschool conference coming up August 4th and 5th. Uh, Pam Tebow, Tim Tebow's mom, is going to be speaking there. She's a homeschool pioneer. In 1982, she homeschooled all five of her kids. They all went to college with scholarships. And uh, so she's going to give us insight into homeschooling and encouragement and inspiration. That's August 4th and 5th at the Creation Museum here in San Diego, California, Santee uh, area. So my um, guest today is Mike Ord. Mike, when we left off the last segment, you said um, that you had been, participated in a lot of research. You looked at it and said, hey, how can I contribute to... Uh, this this sort of thing. What's some of the um, big research projects you've been involved in or some of the research that you uh, did that kind of um, shed some light on issues that maybe weren't so clear in the past? Well, I first of all, in regard to the Ice Age, that's what I started on uh, back in the 1970s. Uh, I first of all read what other authors had said about it and some had said, well, the key to the Ice Age would be a post-flood warm ocean. And others felt that the uh, volcanic ash and aerosols from the flood and from post-flood volcanism would help cool uh, the earth. And so uh, these hints, they never developed it any further than that, but I put them together and developed uh, an Ice Age model, uh, starting with the Genesis flood right after the flood, caused by a warm ocean from pole to pole and and, uh, top to bottom. And that causes much more evaporation. Now, you need water vapor. uh, Now, Mike, when you you say top to bottom, what do you mean by that, top to bottom? Top of the ocean to the bottom of the ocean. Okay, so the the warming started from the top and moved downward? Is that what you're saying? Oh, it was warm from the flood. Okay. The uh, mixing and uh, all the hot water added from uh, the fountains of the Great Deep and and uh, meteorite impacts and volcanism, you would end up with a, a warm ocean after the flood, and it would the mixing would end up being warm from pole to pole and top to bottom. So when so you say evaporation, a, when you say a warm ocean, how how much increase in in temperature are you talking about? Oh, I started with uh, there's a lot of ways to heat it. <laughs> And so we can't have it too hot or else a lot of the organisms we observe today would be dead. Okay. So I use an average of 30 degrees centigrade 
Uh, that's an average. There's some places it'd be cooler and some places warmer than that. And it had to cool down to uh, the current average ocean temperature today is 4 degrees centigrade. So in that process of cooling the ocean, which is mostly by evaporation of water vapor, uh, you you put a lot more water vapor in the atmosphere, and it's mainly at mid and high latitudes because it's proportional sea surface temperature. And the, the big difference is would be at mid and high latitudes where today we have cool sea surface temperatures, but after the flood, we'd have warm, and so the difference would be dramatic. So the most evaporation would be at high and mid-latitude oceans close to the continental areas where the ice and snow accumulated, uh, mostly in storms. But you have to keep it cause a cooler continent, too, because all that warm uh, water would warm the air, too. So that's a factor in all this. But volcanic ash and aerosols re would reflect a lot of sunlight back to space, cooling uh, mainly the mid- and high-latitude continental areas, and it'll keep it cool uh, for the snow and ice to build up. And so and you can even time this ice age, which is, seems surprising to a lot of people. And it's based on the cooling time of the ocean. So given some reasonable assumptions of the ice age, I estimated the cooling time of the oceans uh, down to what we have today. And it's about 700 years uh, to cool down. Once it starts cooling down below a threshold, the, uh, the ice starts to melt. And it melts actually catastrophically, uh, as we have lots of evidence for for instance, in the late, uh, Lake Missoula flood and other floods, uh, ice age floods around the earth. So there's rapid, uh, rapid cooling is what you said. I'd be fairly rapid, yes. Uh, I estimated the cooling time based on the, uh, uh, the, the, the it's called a budget equation. You add up all the heating terms, subtract the cooling terms, and you get a change in uh, temperature change in time. So if I, I estimated 20 degrees centigrade cooling for ice age maximum, and then I uh, the cool the main cooling term is um, evaporation. It's a powerful cooling mechanism, and then I solve for t uh, temperature. I mean, excuse me, uh, time. So I gave me a, a time of 500 years to build the the ice and snow up to a maximum of. In, and then it took about 200 years to melt. So a 700-year ice age. So all the observations we see of the ice age, which are thousands of them on the surface of the Earth and need to be explained after the flood, are explained by this model. And the flood is the key to it. Okay, so so walk me through this here real quick. So Noah gets on the ark, right? He's on. It rains yeah. for 40 days and 40 nights. And then yep. he's on for a period more. What, how much longer is he on the ark after that? Because he was like uh, on for a whole year, right? About a whole year, yeah. Yeah. And so he, the ark lands, he gets off, and the waters are slowly going down. What's happening right now at that point with the Ice Age? Take me through the, the next uh, you know, few centuries or so forth. Well, day 150 is probably the peak of the flood, and everything was flooded. It was global uh, so after 150 days to day uh, 371, the water goes down as the continents rise up out of the floodwaters. And as more and more land is exposed, uh, you start getting a cooling right away. Now, the, cool, the majority uh, of the cooling is in the poles. Is that right? Uh, yes, in the interior of uh, mid 
uh, latitude continents also. Uh, it would cool pretty fast away from the warm water. So you'd, you'd have uh, the cooling starting right away. Um, and by the very end of the flood, where we essentially arrive at the current topography and geography we have today, uh, you're actually uh, pretty cool in, in certain spots, uh, especially uh, central and southeast Canada and places in Asia. And so you'd start your ice age immediately, but it'd, it'd be in, in favorable spots. It wouldn't be everywhere all at once because you still have that warm ocean water. So places like uh, Wash, Western Washington, which is glaciated down to Olympia, Washington, uh, you'd have that warm onshore flow for quite a while that would hold it up. But you'd have heavy precip in the mountains, much heavier than today, and it's heavy already today. So mm. you'd have uh, uh, many mountains of the world would, would start glaciating right away, especially at the higher altitudes. And, and now the ice age would slowly expand uh, from Canada down to the, in the northern United States and from the higher mountains to the lower mountains. And finally, for Washington State, you probably had a surge from uh, southwest British Columbia down probably over a, a, a lake south of ice, probably surged down to Olympia to form the Puget Sound lobe of, of the Cordillon Ice Sheet. Okay, now, so when's the peak of the Ice Age? Uh, what, what, how far after the flood? Noah's off the, fl- uh, off the ark. The waters have dissipated. Uh, they've gone off the continents. They're into the oceans. What's the peak of the Ice Age where you have the most snow and ice? About 500 years. 500 years after the flood? After the flood ended. And, um, and it, I calculated an average snow depth about 22,300 feet in the northern hemisphere and about 4,000 feet over Antarctica. Okay. And though the Greenland and Antarctic ice sheets continue to grow after when the other ice sheets are starting to melt, like the ones over uh, North America and the one over uh, Northwest Europe. Okay, so 500 years, it's at its peak, and then it begins to, um, the areas begin to melt. Uh, you know, some areas yeah. you said are still growing. So what I'm interested in knowing about here is, is what, if you were to share this with a secularist or somebody who's like, we've got to stop the, the climate warming, um, what would you say to them as to how to respond to what we're seeing with the Paris Agreement and these sorts of things um, based on what you've just shared with us. I'm, I'm curious to know um, your viewpoints on that. So when we get back, my guest is Mike Ord. He's very, very, uh, he's a research scientist, done tons of uh, looking at uh, climate change, meteorology, atmospheric uh, sciences, and uh, really a, a well of information. So stay with us. We're going to be right back and continue to talk about this. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Did you know that Denver Broncos quarterback Tim Tebow was homeschooled, along with all four of his siblings, by his mom, Pam Tebow? You're invited to hear Pam share how to successfully educate your children with a biblical worldview at San Diego County's only homeschool conference. Hear local experts as they give you the tools you'll need to help you teach your children. Don't miss the Educate for Life Homeschool Conference Friday and Saturday, August 4th and 5th, presented by the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, featuring worship with Michael Sanchez of The Voice, well-known local Bible teacher and radio host Tom Cantor, Pat Roy, creator of the Jonathan Park Creation Adventure audio drama series, and Educate for Life's Kevin Conover. Learn more, become an exhibitor, or register online now at Register Educate 
RegisterEducateForLife.com. That's RegisterEducateForLife.com. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? I've never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. I'm giving it all away. No more hiding, no more stalling. I hear you call. Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. If you like this show or if you just pick up in the middle of it and you didn't get to hear all of it, you can pick up a recording on my website. You can also check us out on Facebook. We're also on um, YouTube. So uh, Mike is not in studio with me here today, but um, many of my guests are. And uh, recently had on Dr. Jake Heber also to talk about this issue. Very interesting stuff. Also just recently had on, um, not too long ago, Dr. James Tor, one of the top 50 scientists in the world, uh, talking about why evolution is not true. Also recently had on Dr. Ju- or, uh, Julie Doan, RN, uh, on video game addictions and uh, screen time addictions and how they impact a person's ability to have a relationship with the Lord and also to maintain uh, the spiritual disciplines in order to help us walk with the Lord and and uh, grow in our relationship with God. So uh, all kinds of interesting shows. Please check them out. Um, Mike Ord is my guest today. Mike, uh, when we left off on the last segment, you were saying that um, the peak of the Ice Age would have been about 500 years after the flood. So... Um, Doing the math in my head, uh, what would that be? That would be what? What uh, BC? Uh, 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 three thousand eight hundred years ago. Okay, about three thousand eight hundred years ago, Moses comes on the scene thirty five hundred years ago. So about four hundred years after the peak of the uh, the ice age, uh, Moses walks onto the scene. Is that right? Uh, yes. Uh, what you read about in Genesis uh, about the patriarchs and Moses, probably. It- occurred during the ice age wow and most people don't have any idea about that so so would they have been a lot would the middle east have been a lot colder at the time or or would that not have affected the middle east so much oh yeah that uh the climate would be cooler everywhere it would be it, it'd be a strange climate um uh you'd have cool summers and mild winters uh so with little seasonal change at, at the beginning, and then the seasonal change would uh, increase more, and uh, summers would actually get warmer and winters colder. Um, now, that's not intuitive. Least, Most people would think, well, uh, you would have colder, colder summers and colder winters. So why are you saying that you would have, um, you would have uh, cooler summers and milder winters? Because there's a lot of ways to heat the atmosphere, especially by storms. You uh, the warm wa- ocean water would uh, cause the atmosphere to be warm, especially over the oceans. Okay. And then, then you have all that latent heat from evap- uh, evaporated from the ocean, then it condenses, and all that latent heat is added to the atmosphere. 
So those two heating uh, uh, processes, especially uh, uh, occurring uh, with storms, would result in mild winters. And then, and we have observations to, to support this in that the animals and plants during the ice age uh, showed evidence of, of mixing uh, from cool climate animals and plants to warm climate, a mixing which indicates uh, warm or mild winters, depending on where you're at, and cool summers. Now, are and you talking is, about you've this is this is um, in the strata of the earth? You find this the the, the fossil no, record? No, no, the animals that lived uh, during the ice age are found in ice age debris, uh, oh, okay. like woolly mammoths and saber toothed tigers. And for instance, you had hippos living in northwest Europe. Uh, there's a hundred locations in just England, southern England, where you had hippo fossils mixed with uh, reindeer and woolly mammoth fossils. Uh, oh wow! So, uh, uh, by the way, this is the rule uh, with with animals and plants uh, uh, that you have this mixing of animals from from widely different climates uh, together in ice age uh, debris, and so this this adds support to the the mild winters and the cool summers. It's it's called in in the geological literature disharmonious associations. Wow, that's very interesting, huh? I've never heard that before. Uh, so that, that, that's, uh, very, very interesting. Okay. So, so we're getting to the issue of climate change here. And, uh, I've been told, Dr. Hebert told me that, um, secularists, uh, will tell you there's been like 50 ice ages and these sorts of things. And that, uh, you know, here we are, we're, we're ruining the environment, uh, through our carbon emissions, uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Um, how does, uh, a worldview based on the science that you're sharing with us and, and the biblical explanation, how does that affect our response to things like the Paris Agreement and uh, climate change and carbon emissions and so forth and so on? Well, first of all, uh, Genesis encourages us to take care of the garden. Uh, that's what he, uh, God said to Adam and Eve. So that's a principle. We're supposed to be stewards of creation. Mm. But in order to be stewards of creation and as Christians, we need to gather the facts first. Too many of us look on the internet and are persuaded by some article. We need to get the facts first to make an informed decision. And unfortunately, on the internet and in the scientific literature, we're not getting all the facts because of the the, the strong push for what they call climate change. Now, it should be global warming. To get grants and to do research, you got to uh, accept the, the, the global warming uh, consensus view, supposedly, even though there are thousands of scientists that disagree with this consensus. And so to get grants you got, uh, and to publish, you've got to be in favor of uh, uh, global warming, that we need to act now, and that man's totally responsible for it. So we're getting a barrage of research reports. I, I read Science and Nature regularly, and it seems like almost any, every issue has some uh, article on global warming. You know, I mean, they have billions of dollars of research funds. They're going to crank out a, a lot of research in favor of it. And so there's a one-sided view on on, uh, on this issue. In fact, there's a whole journal dedicated just to to uh, global warming, and that's it's called uh, Nature Climate Change. Uh, so, so, <laughs> so where are they getting it wrong? Where are they? Wh- what are they missing? I mean, we all have access to the same, uh, you know, data, the same uh, science. Wh- wh- what are they missing? I think they're downplaying natural processes. It is a fact that carbon dioxide 
and other greenhouse gases like methane have been increasing. Uh, and we know that uh, that these do cause warming. The problem is we don't know how much warming. Yeah, I looked and, up uh, I looked up a stat, and it said that the in the past hundred years the the temperature of the Earth has increased by less than a degree. Um, is that sound? Yeah, it's, it's probably it's close to one degree Fahrenheit. Yes, it's what we've, we've added since uh, they they start the chart at eighteen eighty. So that's one fact that we've warmed uh, approximately one degree Fahrenheit. But those temperature records, I know for a fact, uh, are flawed because of different observations time, uh, different instruments, uh, relocation of the instrument shelter, sparse data. There's all kinds of problems. But, you know, mo- they've mostly got it out of there. Okay. Uh, I mean, they can care uh, because they know about these. The urban heat island effect is, is a major. Uh, they mostly got that out, but they not not totally. So we have to make a case, and some atmospheric scientists have made a case that possibly one third of that one degree Fahrenheit is is due to flaws in the in the observations. So, but I generally assume, yeah, one degree that's close enough. But but when you think about it, that is a very small number. That's yeah. all we've done, and uh, we've increased carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases, uh, uh, approximately 60 to 65% in carbon dioxide equivalency units. Uh, that, interesting. Is a, that is a term which means we've increased carbon dioxide 30 to 35%. And if you add in other greenhouse gas gases like methane, that adds another 30% in carbon dioxide equivalency units. So we can keep it all one unit. So essentially, we've increased greenhouse gases 60, 65%, and only got one degree Fahrenheit. They run these computer models of climate. Mike, I I, got to cut you off right there. We're coming up on a break here. But uh, when we come back, we're going to continue to talk Mike Ord about climate change. Uh, he He was a meteorologist, still is a meteorologist, for the National Weather Service, lead forecaster, Great Falls, Montana. And uh, we're getting a different perspective on climate change. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? I've never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30, and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. 
Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. Learn more at expressfixcoffee.com. There's got to be more than going back Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. Appreciate you being here with us today. If you want to check out um, our other shows, you can go to our YouTube channel, Educate for Life Video. We also podcast the show. You can check that out. Uh, just a reminder, August 4th and 5th, we do have a homeschool conference here in Santee, California uh, at the Creation Museum. And uh, we are going to have Pam Tebow who is going to be our key speaker, keynote speaker, the mother of Tim Tebow, as well as Michael Sanchez uh, from The Voice, who is going to be um, leading worship, and a variety of other speakers to encourage you in your homeschool efforts. So my guest today is Mike Ord. Mike, um, to continue on where we left off talking about uh, global warming, and uh, you were saying that we've increased a maximum of about a degree, even though we've increased over 60% our our, uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Um, So... Are people saying that this is going to lead to a worldwide catastrophe if we don't stop this? Um, I mean, they're spending millions and millions of dollars, if not billions, or, or uh, trying to eliminate, you know, uh, using coal and power plants and all this stuff. Um, what, what? Why are they, you know, crying that this is such a big deal? Well, it's because um, they run these uh, computer simulations of the climate. And they they double carbon dioxide in those simulations and see and leave all other variables the same and see what it does to the temperature. There's been many models uh, run, and they they vary with a temperature increase of anywhere from three degrees Fahrenheit to eleven degrees Fahrenheit, which the range should tell you something about the these models aren't all that accurate. Uh, but nature's run the experiment already. I mean, we've increased carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases to equivalency of 60 to 65%. We've gotten about one degree Fahrenheit. And you can actually make a case it's uh, less than that because of the problems and the observations. Yeah. So if you double car- the greenhouse gases, you're getting, a, you'd get a temperature change of maybe um, 1.3, 1.5 degrees Fahrenheit. And yet all those models, they range from 3 degrees to 11 degrees Fahrenheit, are way too much warming. And politicians and some atmospheric scientists and, and, and a lot of and most other scientists that don't know much about computer models uh, take these things verbatim. Say, whoa, we got a real huge problem. We've got to do something to act now, etc. What they don't realize is that these climate simulations are flawed. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, so they're expecting that if if the greenhouse gas emissions go up, the earth is going to warm, all the ice all ice is going to melt and then the temperature of the uh, the ocean is going to ra- be raised. I'm sorry, the 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 uh, level of the ocean is going to be raised by something like a foot or something. Is that what they're thinking? Oh yeah, it depends on what happens to the Antarctic, West Antarctic ice sheet and the Greenland ice sheet, of course, for sea level rise. But they're working on all these things, and and every time you read something, it's dire. Uh, 
Uh, you know, most of these things exaggeration. They don't. They don't usually don't tell you the good things that can occur from global warming. Um, anyway, um, yeah, they take these models seriously, and I've worked with models all my life. I even did a computer numerical computer uh, model of the atmosphere uh, for my master's thesis, and uh, they're flawed. They they can't get clouds right. They can't get solar and infrared radiation right. They don't have a snow aging effect right. They don't have ocean processes right. So they have to estimate all these things in these models. So they're flawed. Mm. Uh, so. I go with what nature's done, observations. So we double carbon dioxide. We're going to raise the temperature maybe a degree and a half Fahrenheit. Uh, but there's another factor in all this that I haven't mentioned yet is that in this temperature rise, they, they neglect natural processes. Uh, for instance, there's a number of natural processes that cause uh, climate to cycle from warm to cold. And effects on the sun cause uh, warming or cooling. We know volcanic ash causes cooling, but that's only for a few uh, years. Uh, they neglect these. And, and they also neglect, well, they don't entirely neglect, but they downplay past climate changes. Like we had the Little Ice Age from about 1400 to about 1880, in which all the glaciers of the world advanced. Uh, the Thames River going through London, England, froze over regularly, which is unheard of today. Mm. So the Little Ice Age, was uh, that was a time of minimum sunspots, and so there's a correlation with sunspots there. Before that, we had the medieval warm period about the year 1000, which the Vikings uh, uh, inhabited Greenland, and, and, uh, and uh, we had a lot of warmth in Europe and, and so forth. And you can trace these mainly to effects on the sun. And uh, and you can draw a correlation with temperature, carbon dioxide, and um, uh, 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 sun effects, sunspot activity. Yeah, so and flare up, flare-ups on the, on the sun. Yeah, the temperatures in the 20th century correlate more with effects on the sun than they do with the increase in carbon dioxide. So I sum it all up for for my research after 50 years is that that man is causing global warming, uh, but it's less than 50 percent. But there are natural processes that are in play that are causing more than 50 percent. So I divide it at 50 percent. So we are responsible for a little bit. So if we're responsible, say, for 50 percent of the global warming, it's only been one degree, then you're down to a half a degree Fahrenheit. And the way they talk at the Paris Agreement uh, talks and all those that throw billions, if not trillions of dollars at it. And you might get maybe a tenth or two tenths of a degree Fahrenheit uh, cooler temperatures. So actually, there's not a lot we can really do about it, but we can mitigate it and we can do uh, more unbiased research. That's what I always uh, push for, more unbiased research uh, in this issue and get the facts for, yeah. for those that are confused. So, so it's interesting too. So as far as the, are the glaciers actually retreating? So, you know, we had a, you said the peak of the ice age was about 500 years after the flood and it's been, um, has it been receding since then? Or, I mean, was there ice before the flood? Was there, were there a lot of ice before the flood or was that just purely as a result of the flood and since then, the ice has been retreating, or are we just going through um, kind of ups and downs in temperature ever since the flood? Well, I, 
uh, after the ice retreated, um, uh, when it was melting, winters had become even colder than today because you have those ice sheets that are melting and they would cool the climate uh, just from their existence. But once they melted, we essentially get to the present climate, arrive to the present climate, but with slight oscillations in climate due to natural processes of the sun and uh, oceanic uh, processes. But if you want to talk about before the flood, uh, the evidence from the fossil record at high latitudes and other places, mid-latitudes, is that that the climate was probably uh, warmer uh, uh, than today before the flood because we have all this warm climate vegetation from pole to pole that is in the rocks and also warm climate animals at high latitudes. So the evidence is by far that it was it was a p- pretty warm before the flood and therefore you probably or very likely would not have any glaciers at all. Maybe, if, maybe isolated in mountain peaks, but I doubt whether we had any. And then, so the flood changed the climate. Talk about climate change. The yeah. Flood, uh, <laughs> the king climate changer. And, uh, okay, so let's, we let's, a- let's pick up here when we come back. We have one more segment to go. My guest today is Mike Ord. Uh, he is an expert in climate and uh, specifically how the flood affected the climate. And uh, he is a Bible-believing uh, Christian who loves the Lord. And uh, so when we get back, we'll continue to look at this issue of climate change in light of a biblical uh, perspective. We'll be right back. the Denver Broncos quarterback Tim Tebow was homeschooled along with all four of his siblings by his mom Pam Tebow? You're invited to hear Pam share how to successfully educate your children with a biblical worldview at San Diego County's only homeschool conference. Hear local experts as they give you the tools you'll need to help you teach your children. Don't miss the Educate for Life Homeschool Conference Friday and Saturday, August 4th and 5th, presented by the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, featuring worship with Michael Sanchez of The Voice, well-known local Bible teacher and radio host Tom Cantor, Pat Roy, creator of the Jonathan Park Creation Adventure audio drama series, and Educate for Life's Kevin Conover. Learn more, become an exhibitor, or register online now at Register Education for life.com that's register educate for life.com for 36 years fast lane kayaking has helped people like you experience everything that's great about san diego fast lane makes fishing and water sports fun and easy hobie cat kayaks feature a popular pedal system not paddles keeping your hands free as you fish you no longer need to tow and gas up a boat to experience great san diego fishing call or come in for your no charge demo ride 619-222-0766 fastlanesailing.com at dana landing marina across from SeaWorld. 619-222-0766 hi this is jason hall president of team home loans a branch of synergy one lending i just want to take this opportunity to thank kevin conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students his knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith it's our honor and privilege to support kevin and his show it is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through kevin's radio show and through his educate for life teachings Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. I will cast my cares on you. You're the 
Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. If you want to sign up for the classes that I have available for homeschool curriculum, it's all online. You can go to join.educateforlife.org, join.educateforlife.org, and uh, you'll be able to sign up for the classes and uh, take get it for a Bible credit. It's a fantastic way to equip your young person your and, and yourself uh, in the Word of God and to be able to defend your faith. Uh, it's a complete apologetics curriculum. My guest today is Mike Ord. And Mike, um, a lot of this stuff you're saying is amazing, very interesting stuff. Um, is there any books or resources that you have that um, they could uh, go check out? Do you have a website or anything like that? Uh, yes, I have a website. Uh, it's michael.ords, O-A-R-D-S uh, dot net. Michael.ord, O-A-R-D dot what? Oh, ords, O-R-O-A-R-D-S. Okay. .net. .net, great. Okay, michael.ords.net, and uh, there they can they can look into all this uh, information you're sharing with us. Mm, well, some of it they can. Um, the best book to get uh, is my book, Frozen in Time, Woolly Mammoths, the Ice Age, and the Biblical Key to Their Secrets for Master Books. Okay, Frozen in Time. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, that that is uh, pretty amazing. So you were saying that before the flood... There was um, a more a tropical um, like environment. Well, there were there was probably uh, seasons, and there was probably uh, north south uh, temperature differences, but they were probably very mild. Uh, uh, and with mild temperature differences, you don't have enough power to generate storms, and uh, uh, so it was probably mild, especially from the plant material. And the fact that uh, if you look at the coal, which is a burial pre-flood vegetation, we have 10 times the amount of uh, carbon in, in the coal, approximately, than we have in the biosphere today on, on land. So it was a lush, rich environment. And these plants and trees, being 10 times today, would, would be given off water vapor called transpiration. And so our water vapor would be much higher before the flood, and that's the chief greenhouse gas. It causes 85 to 90 percent of the greenhouse effect is water vapor and more water vapor, and so it so, all goes together. It was a, a warm uh, climate, a lush vegetation. So we got to uh, tell uh, we got to tell all the people that are involved in the climate change stuff that they've got to they've got to lessen the amount of water vapor in the air. Is what we got to do. <laughs> yes, water vapor. In fact, it's difficult to. to get those right in the models, the water vapor, there's a, uh, the water vapor effect. So we just got to stop evaporation from the oceans and we should be good to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other uh, ramifications. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it's crazy, but, uh, huh, that's very interesting. What else, what else, uh, is important that people don't generally, um, understand about, um, climate and these sorts of things as it pertains to the flood and uh, how it impacted um, our climate and so forth? Well, that's, that's a tough question. Could you uh, narrow it down? Yeah, there's a lot there to talk about. Um, so when you're doing your research and you look at these things and people are talking about the flood, they're talking about um, how it impacted thing, you know, things are talking about the melting of the glaciers and, and these sorts of things. Um, when we look at, 
what's happening with our temperatures today and so forth and so on. Um, how is the biblical worldview different than a secular worldview? I, I mean, Dr. Hebert told me that uh, secularists believe there are 50 ice ages, whereas we're looking yes. at it and we're saying there's only one. Um, yes. what, what kind of science actually supports the biblical v- worldview over the secular worldview? Uh, if you're referring just to the ice age, um, the fact that we can account for the disharmonious associations uh, we can also account for the millions of woolly mammoths that live in Siberia and Alaska and the Yukon Territory in lowlands that were glaciated. We can account for them because the, the climate in those areas was much different than today. It was uh, mild uh, winters with uh, lack of permafrost, and it would be a huge grassland, uh, a great environment for animals that can tolerate some cold. Yeah, what so about... That. What about the secularist who says, yeah, but we know from the ice cores, it's very clear to us that there has been multiple ice ages. We can see it in the ice cores. We can see these long ages in the ice cores. Oh, okay. That's another study. Uh, <laughs> I have a whole book on that to call, uh, from the Institute of Creation Research called The Frozen Record. Um, uh, to boil it down into a few minutes, um, first of all, in the Greenland ice sheet, you see evidence of only one ice age. But in there, the, the, the snow accumulation is, is, is high enough that you can show seasonal cycles at the top. But because of the compression of the ice, the seasonal cycles become blurred and difficult to read. And so when they claim they can see 100,000 years of seasons down near the, towards the bottom, from the top to the bottom in an ice core, uh, they're really picking up other factors that cause these uh, oscillations like storms. Uh, and even within storms, you have oscillation. So the, the idea you got 100,000 layers up there in Greenland uh, is not true. Where they pick up multiple ice ages is in the, Green, uh, the Antarctic ice sheet. But uh, they have evidence for about seven of them there, well, there are 50. And that is based mainly on assumptions. They can't uh, do annual layers in Antarctic because it's too dry. I only get about one or two inches of precip at the top of it a year, and that's not good enough, and blows around, not good enough to pick up the annual layer. So they, they wing it by assuming that uh, those wiggles in the variables down an ice core in Antarctica are correlated with cores in the deep sea. And they've already dated those cores according to the Milankovitch or astronomical theory of the ice age that they assume, which... Uh, uh, has periods of 100,000 years. So they say each ice age is 100,000 years back to a million years and 40,000 before that. Those are two Milankovitch cycles, all based on assumption and circular reasoning uh, uh, to do it. And that's where they get the multiple ice ages from, uh, from the Antarctic uh, ice sheet. Wow. Well, there there is a lot to uh, learn here as far as uh, this is concerned. Uh, my guest today is Mike Ord. Mike, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And uh, his website is michael.ords.net. That's michael.ords, O-A-R-D-S dot net. You can check out uh, his website. He's got all kinds of uh, information there. Also, um, you can pick up his book, The Frozen Record. What was the other book you mentioned, Mike? Um, the one that's, that uh, you, you said most recently? That's the recent? one from Institute of Creation Research on the Antarctic Greenland ice sheets and ice cores that is still in print. And the other is Frozen in Time, which is about woolly mammoths in the Ice Age. Okay, so you got Frozen in Time and the Frozen Record. Right. 
Okay, great. And um, okay, and are you ongoing and doing research, or are you are you kind of uh, just re- retired now? Oh, I've been retired quite a while, but only from the National Weather Service. Otherwise, I'm a full time creation researcher. That's fantastic. And do you have your research listed on your website? Uh, no, I don't. Can, pe- um, can people access that research at all? Mm, uh, yes, I I publish a lot in the Journal of Creation and the Creation Research Society quarterly, and those are the, those are the uh, in depth uh, journals that we publish, or, or or two of them, I should say, that we publish, and in Creation Magazine. Uh, so I got. A lot of articles in there <laughs> that, that people can uh, access on the ice age and the flood and even uh, on, on global warming. Well, thank you so much for all that you do. I, I, uh, it's an invaluable resource and uh, absolutely making a difference. So thank you very much for that, Michael. And um, if you uh, like today's show, please check it out. Share it with a friend. You can share it on YouTube or podcast. We're going to be back next week. Uh, with another special guest. So uh, we'll see you next Saturday. Hope you have a fantastic Saturday. Stay cool if you're here in San Diego. It's pretty hot, over 100 degrees right now. But um, we will see you next week. God bless you. Uh, Build your life upon Jesus Christ and his word. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit EducateForLife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243-9719 or email KevCon at EducateForLife.com. That's K-E-V-C-O-N at EducateForLife.com. You will always be much more to me Every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right But that's alright